walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. Hey, everybody, it's me, Steve. You're listening to the Shock Factor podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by my friends Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman to talk about one of the greatest joys in life, which is college baseball. So, guys, how, how are we doing this week? I'm definitely more rested than you, Steve, and that's because I did not get married over the weekend. Neither did Jordan. However, you certainly did, and I can hear <laughs> it in your voice as my people say, Thank you. Mazel Thank tov. You. It was a fun weekend. It was a fun weekend. But uh, I'm excited to get back into college baseball because, you know, w- weddings, they can, they, can, they can take your focus away from college baseball from time to time, as, as they should. <laughs> right. As I feel they should. Right. Take your focus, for, focus away from what really, what really matters. But, Steve, I had to ask. So we, we knew, you know, you were – you're getting married this weekend, and, and of course, uh, congratulations. I, I hope you had a great time. We, we don't have to totally review the wedding, but we knew um, that, that you were going to be a little bit off the grid, not as locked in you know, from the, from the battle stations as, as you normally are there in Delaware. And so I was not surprised that you know, Friday and Saturday, I wasn't seeing a lot of at Big Donkey 47 tweets. But then late on Saturday night, which I do believe was the evening that you <laughs> were, were celebrating um, your, your wedding, you sent out a very, very standard Steve tweet, which is basically just like, here's a cool video of a really random college baseball player doing something. <laughs> very standard Steve tweet, right? And this one was a tweet from uh, a left-handed pitcher, uh, left-handed pitch from uh, Thomas McNabb of Murray State. Go Racers. And it just says, this pitch from Thomas McNabb is illegal in 45 of the 48 contiguous United States. Very funny, good, good Steve caption, normal stuff. But I saw that and I was like, Steve, what, why why did he send this? This was the only tweet you sent all of Saturday, and I just want you to tell us, give us give us the behind the scenes of, of this tweet that you sent out like at midnight on Saturday night. So behind the scenes is what likely happened was I was in the bathroom. What um, likely happened? Incredible. Keep going. As one will do, tacos were served, so I don't want to say what's necessarily going on, but people can put the picture together. And I was, I was on my phone and I was looking and like three kids had sent me this video of Thomas McNabb, just like, it's one of the most impressive swords I've seen. Like the hitter just kind of explodes. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll say something about this one. I did have to Google how to spell contiguous. Um, and to make sure that that was a word, not something I was making up in my brain, but it, it all worked out okay, but it, it was just a great video. I was, I was happy. I was in a great mood. Had to see it. Loved to see it. So just had to put it so out. So this there. is what I'm understanding. Okay, Stephen Shock at his own wedding goes to take a taco dump. We'll say eleven drinks deep, and pulls out his phone on the toilet, sees a DM about a Murray State pitcher. Gets distracted from his own wedding by the sword in the video. Google's contiguous, tweets it out, returns to his wedding night. The only the only ske- step you missed was the wiping portion. Okay, of that, thank God, which, and washing your hands. Hopefully, yeah, 
That too. Of course. For 35 seconds. So <laughs> add 35 seconds. Two happy birthdays. Hand wash. Um. Um, so congrats <laughs> to Thomas McNabb, who now goes down in oh at God. Big Donkey 47 history. <laughs> because think about this. This is what, what needs to really, why this needs to be highlighted. We know because we have spent time with Steven Person and we know, we know how, how, you know, how the magic happens here uh, on his wonderful Twitter account. People are sending him so much stuff all the time, especially on Saturdays. You are getting so many things like, hey, Steve, check this out. Check this out. Check out this highlight. Check out this highlight. And this is like in the thralls of it. And yet this is the clip that broke through and you said, I have to say something. And on a given Saturday when Steve is unable to tweet something out because he's in transit, who is doing the tweeting? Steve's lovely wife. And so when I saw this tweet, I said to myself, there is no way that, that Fran tweeted this out. Not in a million years on her wedding night. No, no. So, yes, that is how the how the pudding is made. And shout out to everybody who sends me videos because I genuinely love it. It makes things way easier for me. But, you know, a lot of the times whenever you're at the airport, people, you always hear it on the announcements. Watch out for mysterious baggage and, you know, see something, say something. And I see a sword, I gotta, I gotta say something. My brain gets fixated. It's kind of how I just function. I was like, oh my God, Thomas McNabb, that was a really good pitch. Um, yeah, Thomas McNabb, backdoor slide. And like, I, I think of all the things I could say in the tweet mm -hmm. before I send it out, and I get stuck on that. And it's like, if I don't send it out, I will literally think about nothing except those words the rest of the night. It's like how sometimes you get a text message from someone and you're like driving, but you still see it, but you don't want to respond because texting and driving very bad. Don't do it. See something, say something, don't text and drive. Um, but anyway, and you respond mentally and you're like, okay, check, responded. So Steve, your rationale you here text. is if you hadn't tweeted this out, it could have ruined your wedding night because it was stuck in your head. No, yeah my brain would have ruined it for me mm -hmm. because it, it would have been all about Mr. McNabb. I love it. I love this. This was an incredible, I'm so glad I asked. Uh, and again, a great caption. Now what's stuck in my head is which three States is this pitch legal in, in the contiguous United States? Because you, you did seem to single out just 45 of the 48. So I'll let you think about that. You can get back to me on that, Steve. Um, but unfortunately, uh, for the Murray State Racers. We're not going to go full blow all about their weekend. We must begin in the great state uh, of Tennessee where the Tennessee Volunteers last week, last week we had, last week we started a dialogue. Important. Right, gentlemen? Important. We looked at Tennessee's uh, resume uh, thus far this season and we said, what, what have they truly accomplished? What have the Volunteers really done this year, right? They, they lost their series against LSU and Florida, and they had just gotten swept by Arkansas. And we said, what have the Volunteers really accomplished? Well, they had their first opportunity of the season to really, really uh, show us what they are about, welcoming the Commodores of Vanderbilt into Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And Steve, while I know uh, you had a lot else going on, I, I do believe you saw the result of this here weekend series. And it was, as our good friends Aaron Fitt would say, loud. A loud result for the Tennessee Volunteers. Quite literally. A loud baseball game, uh, all three baseball games at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, and, and yeah, Steve, from, from what you gathered from the series, uh, what are your biggest takeaways? 
My biggest takeaway is, is it looks like the Tennessee starting rotation seems to have had something click where, you know, they have the most, some of the most elite stuff in the nation. It's just, they weren't clicking. They weren't putting together the best outings out there. And, you know, that's nothing against the guys. Baseball is really hard, but that just goes to show you, even when you have all the talent in the world, you still got to execute. And it seems like they kind of really learned how to execute this weekend and kind of, kind of got back to them old, their old selves. And it it's really great. I feel like every weekend this, this season, it's one of my favorite things. They'll post about Drew Beam and like sharing his story with his sister. And like, it, it's just so awesome to see like her love of the game too. And all the stuff he's doing to spread awareness for her, which is really, it, it's just, you know, Last year, everyone saw these guys as villains, and now it's like, okay, they're they're not, they aren't playing the level they were last year, but they're also good guys this year. Mm. So it's like, you know, give and take. So the notable uh, thing I think with Tennessee is that Chase Dolander got bumped from his Friday spot, right? He ended up throwing on yeah. Saturday, and he was yeah, outstanding. Yeah, so they moved him to Saturday. How they've kind of shuffled the pitching, the main thing is that they, they bumped Chase Burns from the rotation right. entirely. And so, but what that resulted in this weekend was a hell of a performance out of the bullpen for him uh, during the Friday night game, which went to extras. They ultimately win on a walk-off home run by Griffin Merritt uh, in the 12th, was it? Or the 11th? Um, This was uh, in the 12th. By the way, I mean, easily the most predictable walk-off home run probably in baseball history. There was no way that game was not ending with a home run. Um, But watching Chase Burns dominate in relief uh, the way many Major League Baseball scouts think he might someday <laughs> in the big leagues uh, was cool, right? To see him kind of find his groove because he had just been getting crushed as a starter. And for them to be able to turn to him after an awesome start from Andrew Lindsay was really impressive. Dolander was awesome Saturday. And then Drew Beam, as you just mentioned, Steve, was very good uh, on, on Sunday. But it so, wasn't just the pitching. Uh, I mean, the offense absolutely yeah. exploded oh, at they home. showed up, man. Against the Volunteers. Uh, so they take all three games. 17 runs in game two, 10 runs in game three. Some well-timed hits in the first game, winning four to three. Uh, good morning, Volunteers. Thank you for raising your hand. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still, you know, they're eight and 10 in SEC play. Uh, they still have, I guess they got Mississippi State coming up, then Georgia. So this is an opportunity to really kind of climb back up the standings, I would imagine, for them. But, listen, them at home, if they can find a way still to host, which is going to be challenging, but, again, anything's possible. You have enough time. If they can you know, win that South Carolina series, if they can just find a way to host. I am not betting against this team. I know we saw them losing the Super last year. But as long as they're at home, I, I will be betting it's pretty heavily. It's still a high-powered offense and, like, four legit pitchers, you know, especially yep. if Beam is back. Or Burns is back, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, let's move to another uh, series. But what, what, what other series? I, we we got to get to your your, your jibble ticklers. I don't know who who which team, if Tennessee would pick for them. Or do, do you have one in mind uh, for a team? I, I have one in mind, but it's from my research and our study guide for the podcast. It's going to be later in this episode oh, okay. that, we, right. That's... that we stumble into them. So I'll just yell giblet tickler okay. while you're talking about them. Okay. I'll just interrupt. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, then Jake, which, uh, which series would you like to go to next then? Well, I just want to ask Steve a larger question about this weekend first, because Did... this weekend was marked by Schweeps. Okay. 
lot of sweeps across the world of college baseball, the majority of which, predictably, were at home. South Carolina at home against Florida, Tennessee at home against Vandy, Georgia at home against Arkansas, Wichita State at home against ECU, West Virginia at home against TCU, Notre Dame at home against Virginia, sorry, Steve, Duke at home against Louisville, Hmm. DBU at home against LA, Louisiana Tech, and uh, Iowa at home against Nebraska, LA Tech, that's funny. Steve, why is it easier to play at home? We understand that it is easier. We get that, and the numbers say that, and we always give teams credit for winning on the road. But as a college baseball player, what makes playing on the road more difficult and playing at home easier? I think playing at home, it's just the level of comfort you have. You know, you're you're not only like you get to the field when you want to get to the field. You don't have like these strict time. Hey, we leave at this time. And if you you can't leave earlier than that, can't leave later than that. But like, sure, you have a time to get to the field, but you have the freedom to choose how early you want to be. But it, it's just mainly about that level of comfort. You're choosing where you eat. You're getting food you like that you chose a lot of the times. On the road, a lot of the times it's team meals, cold cuts, $5 Hungry Howie's pizzas or Little Caesars, depending on where you are in, in the in the U.S. Um, but either way, the food you're going to get is likely better or more preferred by you. You're sleeping in your own bed. You, you, aren't, <laughs> you might not have a smelly roommate, mm. which is always big always big on the road you don't have to have the worry of oh man did i forget my belt or my cleats or what did i forget because it's all right there all my stuff all my things are right there i personally like playing on the road more just because it's fun to to just be in hotel rooms and hang out like <laughs> it, so you, it sounds it. so boring but i i love just sitting in hotel someone, rooms and watching whatever is on as TV. someone who spent a lot of time sitting in hotel rooms with you drinking beer recently i get it <laughs> yeah yeah you see where i'm at so it's like i i like the road i liked when opposing fans would be mean to me which typically didn't happen at home um so that was always fun but just when you're playing at home it's like the way you kind of see it as a college player is like oh these guys are coming in here and they're going to try to take our place away from us they're trying to embarrass us pull our pants down and say haha in our house and we aren't going to let that happen we're going to protect this house you know and i i think that's one of the main factors i would say i also feel like uh right the 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 delta between the feelings of you know you're welcoming people into your stadium, but it's the opposite. It's like, we want to send them home sad. We want them to have flown here or taken a bus ride here and have had zero success and felt like this trip not only took me away from uh, everything I enjoy having and the comforts of being at home, but also I just got my ass kicked and now I got to commute back home as well. And that's what happened to all these teams. Now, again, you are taking care of business. You don't get as much credit for the sweep on the road because that is a whole other thing. And I'm sure you've been a part of some sweeps on the road. And we got some of those as well. We got LSU at Ole Miss. We got Alabama at Mizzou, Oklahoma at Texas, Boston College bouncing back at North Carolina, as well as Clemson at NC State. I don't know if any of those specific series stand out to you, Steve, but let's talk about the opposite feeling of that, which is even cooler. Sure, it's maybe easier to do it at home, but sweeping on the road, oh boy. 
Oh boy, oh boy, that is Oof. that is a good that that's a good 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 feeling. Happy flight, as they say, at least in D one, or happy bus ride, <laughs> as they say, as you as you depart. Yeah, those are some of the best feelings you can have in college baseball. Like I loved winning weekend series on the road. It was a great feeling. It was the bus ride back was always buzzing the whole time. Like if you get swept, it's like, hey, we aren't talking for eight nine hours here. Um, but you lose a series. It's like, okay, we can talk. We can, we got to be quiet. Probably like first half of this bus ride, then the witching hour will come and we'll all just be screwing around talking, having fun, winning a series on the road. You're buzzing the whole time, sweeping a series anarchy for the first 80% of the trip, I'd say. And then nap time, everybody, (laughs) right. You feel, Um, you feel untouchable. Like you just feel like it's like Mad Max Fury Road, right? You're just driving along the highway and no one can take you down. <laughs> You're slipping and sliding in your coach bus mm. as you're driving through the also, mountains of nowhere. Also, like you can be as loud and obnoxious and and you know annoying as possible because what is your coach going to get mad at you? You just you just did your job. You just went on the road and swept someone like he's not going to be mad. So it's really, yeah, it's, it's, that's gotta just be a a a tremendous feeling. And of these series, I mean, the LSU one stands out to me because weirdly their first sweep of the year, (laughs) which is strange for the team that is number one in the country, but this was an excellent series. Some, some late, late game heroics from Hayden Travinsky, uh, awesome dude who we, we talked a little bit about, uh, when we were down at round rock, a guy who, of course, has not had a ton of playing time this year with freshman Brady Neal coming in, but huge swing um, to, to kind of ensure that sweep there for LSU. And then Dylan Cruz, you know, he had two homers on Saturday, including a grand slam. He's still basically hitting 500. And Ole Miss's nightmare season continues. I believe they are 3-15 and 15 in uh, Can I ask SEC a question? Play? Is it bad yeah. to win the College World Series? Ooh, yeah. It was th- what do you think, Steve? I never did it, and things are still going pretty okay for you got, me. You just so. got married. Yeah, exactly. Like, things couldn't be better. Who's and, to say what happens, right? Steve strikes out Tanner Allen. Virginia goes on to win it all. Steve, at the time, I'm sure Steve would have been living large. Would have been great. Right. But it might have been downhill after that. It might have kind of torpedoed. Like, who knows what his, either what his ego would be at or just everything could have been different. We probably wouldn't be recording this podcast because – Steve, in this scenario, you know, he keeps pitching through it. He signs with a big league team, even though his UCL has exploded. And he's just, he's way beyond us. And we, we never even really become friends. And that would suck. So I'm yeah, glad if, you didn't win the College World Series. Me too. Steve. Yeah, if I, if I did, I clearly get drafted first overall by the NL All-Stars to play only in the All-Star game for $100 million, probably. Right. And then, you're not living and in God. You're not living in Delaware. You're not coaching at Cape Henlopen. Yeah. All I'm, these I'm owning both. Right. Owning Delaware and the school. Right. But and that's not as fun. That's not as fulfilling as what you have now since you lost the College World Series. Yeah. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. Because I would have been empty. I'm thankful you don't have that grind set. Which which maybe <laughs> this is a good way to kind of color the way we, we talk about this season is, you know, we think talk about these teams okay who are we going to see in omaha who could we see you know challenging for a national championship maybe we should kind of consider what this has done to the last couple national champions and and be concerned 
who should we look <laughs> at, you know, the top of this top 25 poll? Who are we saying, oh, man, watch out. This team could be in Omaha. We've said a lot of great things about teams like Wake Forest and South Carolina. You know, you look at the top of the poll right now, of course, LSU. Um, but even even a team like like Arkansas or, or like Stanford or Campbell. Oh, my God. Like, we got to see them. Maybe we'll win a national championship. Do you Are you sure? Are you sure you want that? Are you sure? Just just keep look that at, in mind. I'm just saying. Let's look just, at what happened to Wake Forest, you know. Yeah. It it's it we should talk about it which team is going to have the worst season next year that's all i mean is. would you rather finish second for 10 years in a row or win one and then be bad i'd rather finish second i'd rather i'd rather you know get to go to omaha all the time you you just mentioned steve wake forest right they won in 1955 What's happened since then? A lot in the world, <laughs> but not a lot for them. None of it has included yeah, Wake Forest going to Omaha. A whole Sienna college coaching career has happened since Damn. then. Damn. <laughs> well, Sienna, by the way, maybe the worst team in college baseball, but that's okay. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, okay, let's let's move on. First of all, we're recording this on, on Monday afternoon. Normally, we do Sunday nights. Um, and so now we actually have we have rankings. And the, the one other topic, I mean, listen, there's a lot of the sweeps, a lot of the series we could talk about. Um, but before we, we, we do that, I, I kind of want to acknowledge some of these teams in, in, this, in the top of this poll that, that we have not talked about at all. Let's do that. Mainly, mainly some of the mid-majors. Uh, we got Coastal Carolina. We got Campbell. Um, we got ECU, who just got swept by Wichita State. Uh, Dallas Baptist at 19. UTSA checking in at, at, at 25. So of these teams – um, Steve, we, listen, we've given ECU a lot of love as our kind of our the face of, of the mid-majors that we love. But of these other teams, do any of them stand out to you? Because I, I definitely uh, would like to give them some love. UConn is definitely a team I enjoy. And I, I'll admit it myself, I haven't talked enough about the albino rhino this year. Mm-hmm. But Ben Huber, he's still in college baseball and he he's still hitting tanks. It's It's really fun to fun to watch him i like the yukon team they play with a bunch of energy which you know any anytime you want to be successful in college baseball if you're bringing energy you're bringing juice you're going to have more success than if you came out flat so i really like that about them coastal carolina they're what i would say is an Aaron fit loud team where they're going to beat you and they're going to let you know about it they're going to you're you're going to be like more oh, like this- boastal all right all right i like where your head's at coastal barolina (laughs) and it's like if it's late in the game and you're like hey i uh i'm only down a run or two i think we could come back and coastal's just like here's teddy sharky he just ate half a bucket of c4 and two red bulls and he's here to party and he just shoves and he, he's an impressive guy to watch, but I, I just really like the way they play the game, and I like the energy they bring to it. Coastal, great shout-out. Great piece on D1Baseball.com from Aaron Fit. You could not design a player more for Aaron Fit to like than fifth-year senior Peyton Eels, who I have to give credit to Coastal Carolina. Can you Carolina. spell that last name? Is it like the fish? Almost. E-E-L-E-S. Um, huh. Maybe it's Elis. Is it? Do we know if it's Eels or Elis? <clears throat> I'm, I'm assuming it's Eels. More but. like Coastal well, Carislima. Uh, oh, there we go. Jake's oh. on fire. <laughs> Jake's also on his floor. Do you want to explain why you're on the floor? My back's bothering me. All right. So I'm sitting right. on the ground. If, if it sounds like he's a little far away no, from the mic. No, my mic's right here, just as close to the <laughs> mic as I always am. 
Uh, Peyton Neal's, I love that on their roster, on their official roster, lists him as a super senior. It says super? It says super. It says super senior. God. Where and is my super senior? <laughs> and boy, has he been super indeed. But he's perfect. He's 5'7". He's a fifth-year senior. He was a he was a beast at Division II Cedarville in Ohio, and now here he is hitting three uh, three eighty one. He's got twenty four steals. He's got hit you know he's been hit by thirteen pitches and more wow. walks than strikeouts, and it's just perfect. And he's still two feet taller than Aaron Fitt. And he's st- exactly so. Shouts out to what well, it says Jake from the floor. Um, but Teddy Sharkey, um, Teddy Sharkey is definitely the headliner in terms of, of like draft guys. That's the other fun thing about these programs. It's like, okay, like I don't care how many first round picks you're going to have. Uh, we should talk about Campbell here in a second. You know, they've, they've had some recently, but, uh, Coastal's just, just awesome. <laughs> now we've seen them have postseason success, but they are the team who I believe is leading the country. Sorry. They are second in the country in runs per game. Who's number tied. one. Number one is Campbell. Number one is the Campbell Camels, another team who we should uh, talk about. And they do have some, some draft guys. Cade Keeler, their, their starter, is probably going to be a top-two-round pick. Obviously, they just had Zach Neto, who's now in the big leagues. He's been awesome. But they have all kinds of other really fun players. Uh, Jared Belbin, uh, the, the Australian uh, slugger, he's been fantastic this year with 13 homers. But the difference, the difference between yeah. Campbell and Coastal right now is that Campbell's conference there in the Big South is pretty Charmin Ultra. Uh, soft at the moment, whereas mm-hmm. you know Coastal just had to play Southern Miss twice, three times. You know that's true, that's very true. Steve, what do you uh, what do you like from the Camels other than that they score a shit ton of runs? Right now, you remember how earlier I was talking about how my brain, when I focus on one thing, I can't I can't think about anything else or say anything else till I say it. Mm-hmm. So when when talking about Coastal Carolina and Peyton Eels at at Coastal Carolina. All I can think about is how, you know, they're right by the beach. That makes sense, you know. We got we got a shark. We got. Are eels. you saying my man and washed ashore? I I think they might have. Like they just pulled him out of the ocean. But the only, like, I love this all the time. And we were talking. We said, you know, we talked a lot about ECU being one of the better mid majors. But you got a guy with the last name Ye Savage on on the Pirates, like. They have so many great names for for guys to be pirates, and it, it's what I'm stuck on. Like Wyatt Lunsford Shankman, Captain mm-hmm. Shankman's bounty, like yeah, things like that. That it's, just it's makes sense. Almost too good to be true. They need a guy named yeah, like but, you know Jared Hook, <laughs> or or how's this? Um, I don't know Garrett Sailor. Um, it it's just. It's incredible. Like I, I think Cliff Godwin has secretly been recruiting for, for guys. Right. We talk about guys. Pirates. We talk about guys recruiting to the ballpark, but I like recruiting to the mascot name. Yeah, Colby Thorndike, it's, Captain Thorndike's Revenge. It's working. You, like we can't be mad. There, there's just so many great names. I'm sorry, but Campbell, yes. <laughs> They are very good at baseball. You're like, sorry, I can't. Steve, like, if you try to make Steve talk about a mid-major that's not ECU, he just, like, starts twitching and is like, oh, I got to go back to the Pirates. Oh, no. You can only talk about Charlotte. You can talk about Queens College. No, but I I liked them early in the season with Campbell because they had this fun thing where they would lead off, like, every other game with a Drake Pearson home run, which I, I really like. It's a good tone setter because – 
you know, even if you're just playing a baseball video game against your friend, if you throw, if you're thrown to his first hitter and he hits a home run, it feels demoralizing. It's like, wow, I'm about to get murdered. And so I really like that they had him in the leadoff spot for a long time. I'm not certain if he's still there, but, or if I'm talking about the correct person, I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. He he let off. Um, but yeah, just they have a bunch of different guys who are doing stuff. Jared Belbin, he hit a lot of home runs last year, and he, he's doing it again this year. So my uh, my favorite thing about Campbell is just well represented all over the world, right? We got we got the North Carolina kids, you know, Lawson Harold, but then we have Jared Belbin from Australia. We got Bryce Arnold from Ontario. We've got Drake Pearson. You know, we got Peyton Howard from Missouri. Drake Pearson from San Diego. It's just the it's a, it's an excellent mix. I'm pretty uh, sure that Zach Neto is from Mars. <laughs> yeah. So again, again, in terms of recruiting, they're they are really uh, no no stern left stone left unturned when we talk about uh, getting people to come become camels. So uh, credit to Campbell, they've been fantastic. And then the last team I, I think we should mention because they I believe entered into the top twenty five. Yeah, Dallas Baptist. Um, so Dallas Baptist, who's now 31 and nine, another program, of course, that along with ECU often, you know, talked about maybe the best program to not have that have not made it to Omaha. This is a team that, you know, not as many super famous guys, but I, I, I like this group a lot. Uh, they're, they're, they're really led on, on the mountain. Brian Johnson, who's definitely going to be a big draft name for next year. He's been amazing. But then talk about great baseball names, Braxton Bragg. Braxton Bragg, oh my goodness, which I believe is the same name as like a, a Confederate uh, Civil Army uh, Civil War general. Not great. <laughs> of like 200 years ago, I'm almost positive, um, but I like this Braxton Bragg a lot more. I'll say that. So <laughs> he's been awesome on the mound. But yeah, Steve, what you got for the for the DBU uh, the the Pats? Go Pats! What I like about them is the way that they're like. When there are college baseball fans who are like, oh, there's too many home runs, like, this isn't the way the game's supposed to be played, those fans, DBU is for them. Like, they play very fundamental by the book baseball, and they have a lot of success with it. And it, it's just fun to see, like, teams that manufacture runs and they stick to the script of get a guy on, bunt him over, get him in. Like, and have success with those methods, which, of course, you can't do that without really great pitching. So to see a team have success and make it in the top 25, that is, you know, not hitting a million home runs like just about everybody else is really cool. Yes, and I believe they've won 14 in a row, which I think that's Good. I'm seeing that that's good. What do you think about that, Steve? Then this is they had started the season uh, against you know like Fordham and Austin P, and then they got swept at Southern Miss earlier, and it was like, ah, how good is this DBU team? They've clearly corrected, and they they look uh, super duper legit. So, yeah, this is really really impressive. And then you know we mentioned Wichita State who swept East Carolina. I mean they deserve um, some love too. I don't think they've been quite as uh, good consistently this season as some of these other teams. But still a really impressive weekend uh, from from the Shockers and and Steve. I have to imagine that was I guess they're now they're they're now in for first place in the American Tide with Houston. But Steve, a team called the Shockers beating your favorite team ECU like that has to have you a little conflicted, right? Oh, extremely conflicted. Um, I didn't know how to feel about it, um, but I do really like Peyton Tool. Mm. It 
I, I want him to have success. So I was happy for him in that regard, which I, I see on the sheet that he threw a complete game shutout mm-hmm. on Friday. Yep. On Friday. With three RBIs on Sunday. Yeah. Which that made me dive a little bit into uh, – Looking at some John Olderud watch lists. Mm, do we have the, that that list? Is that is, um, it, is that out? Do we have the, the? I don't know if this is the preseason list. Okay, well, even the preseason no, this one, April seventeenth okay. two way player of the year watch list. All right, who we got? So right now we have Keaton Anthony from Iowa, of course. Grant Acock from UNC Greensboro. I'm just going to highlight a few of the guys. Um, Jack Caglione, who you may have heard of. Um, Braden Montgomery. Um, Now breaking into a few of the other guys, we got Cutter Clawson Mm -hmm. from BYU. Mm -hmm. Only has two at-bats this season, but Cutter Clawson, phenomenal name. Um, then we have Trey Morgan, who everybody knows as one of the better two ways in the nation from VMI. Um, Different Trey Morgan. This is not <laughs> yeah. Trey Morgan. Are you telling <laughs> I me didn't that, know that there's another Trey Morgan? If there was another Trey Morgan, there'd be three Trey Morgans, <laughs> which means there'd be nine Morgans. This is Dose Morgan. Nine Morgans. We're at Dose Morgan. We're at, at six point. Morgans. Correct. Two yeah, times. He's Trey. hitting 364 for the key debts. Yeah, the Trey Trey. It would it would be way cooler. And you know, there's probably another Trey Morgan somewhere in Definitely. college baseball. We can find it. Then moving along to UC Riverside, of course, we have Alfredo Capacete, who is a freshman, and he looks like a giant in his roster picture. He's doing the thing where he crosses his arms and kind of pushes his forearms out, which you know, that's a textbook ball player move. Well, we all do it. We all love it. But his look like if he weren't even pushing them out, they might they might be pretty big for him. So he looks like a big boy. And I'm I'm expecting him to make some noise over the next couple of years as he settles into college baseball. And then of course Peyton Tolley. He's he's just fun to watch. He's good at baseball. He hits a lot of home runs. He throws a lot of strikes, which I particularly enjoy. Am I wrong, or has Jack Cags been getting touched up a little bit recently on the mound? Uh, that is that is accurate. I mean, I know his issue for most of the year has just been strike throwing as much as anything. Um, he's also, of course, up to 23 home runs. Again, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. I'm just saying. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, and, oh, and again, oh. when you're arguing, you know, who should, what should have two-way player of the year how how balanced should they really be if you're also pitching remotely competently is that should that be enough um i mean yeah he again just south carolina he obviously wasn't great he walked six again struck out four it doesn't seem like they want to move him to the bullpen yet uh but yeah it's not i mean his era is over over five now He's got still more more than a strike. But, yeah, it's 47 strikeouts and 35 walks in 41 innings. So, um, again, we're holding high, it's a high standard to hold for a guy who also has uh, 23 home runs. But, yeah, he has not been – like, that's not someone that they would probably feel awesome giving a regional start to at this stage. And that is worth noting, I guess. So Yeah, I, I think the best criteria for this award would have to be that Throw decimals out the window, of course, as any grown-up does with math. I I want the ERA to be lower than the batting average. So it in my two-way player. So like in this instance, say Jack Haglione has a has a 
three five ERA, mm-hmm. and he's hitting three seven five. You know, mm-hmm. so while I understand decimal wise numbers not greater than, but mentally Steve Steve math wise, I want that to happen. I, like that that needs to be a criteria for this award. I feel like that is that is fair. And yes, back back to the, again just on the. On, there's there's a lot of names on here. This is a, this is a really long midseason watch list. A lot of other. Uh, well, yeah, it's a watch one. list. It's not a you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's a midseason. I, I I assumed that they would have already kind of narrowed it down, and this is like listing a lot of guys, not of whom whose numbers are that good. But listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be Jack Caglione Salus. So it's not really that that complicated as much as I like uh, some of these other uh, other players. Um, Steve, you hinted earlier about having your team that that tickled your giblets. I mean, go, go right ahead. Like if you if you have that team, then please tell us that Jordan, you are an incredible man. You know this. We all know this. You are the wisest. And this is incredibly impressive. Because I don't I know we all throw the information we would like to talk about in a Google Doc, and I know Jake organizes it, but this is just incredible because I told you at the start I would just shout out the giblet ticklers when we talked about them. And the next thing to talk about is the Duke Blue Devils, who, as a matter of fact, tickled my giblets this wedding weekend. And it just the way that they won their games. They swept Louisville, which was great, but in walk-off fashion two times in a row you kidding me that's awesome i love that so thank you duke uh as you uh noted here on the on the dock one of them was a little cooler than the other so can you explain can you explain that yeah so this is alex mooney who he's up he's at the bat we're down six to nine in the bottom of the ninth. Not a nice one out for basis juice. Point. No, no, not nice. Not nice at all. And Alex Mooney just he takes a center cut fastball and destroys it to dead center. It truth be told, not the best pitch in the situation. Um I wouldn't have gone center cut personally, but I understand high pressure situations. It's hard to focus, hard to hard to execute. Sometimes, sometimes. you give up a home run. The best time to throw <laughs> a center cut fastball is none of the time. <laughs> but I, what I love about it is he just hits it and immediately holds his arms out and like shrugs at his dugout, like, "All right, we did it." Everybody knew that was going to happen, right? I loved it because like, Mooney was the best pro, pro prospect who got to school two years ago. And there was a lot of hype about Duke getting a guy like that. And then last year, he was merely pretty good. But I haven't really... He hasn't fully captured my attention in the way that maybe I anticipated. But this and the way he reacted to this walk-off Grand Slam was what I've kind of been waiting for. Yeah, and he's he's definitely still a little bit polarizing um, among scouts. You know, he's a little bit of an older high school player. I know some people absolutely love him. Some people think he's merely, you know, could be a good utility player. At this point, to your point, Jake, it doesn't really matter. Like, he is a hell of a college baseball player. And for a Duke program that, again, hasn't exactly had, like, this kind of star offensive player, like, this is a hell of a guy to have. I also love, so he hits the walk-off Grand Slam. Incredible reaction. And then on Saturday, he's leading off, and he goes one for one with a home run and five walks. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so I think he, I, I assumed he would have been walked. So he walked in his first at bat. He homers in the fourth, and then they just walk him uh, the rest of the game. So, yeah, just just a, a, a hell of a weekend uh, for for Alex Mooney, and and obviously for the team. I mean, that's that's massive because I was not really thinking about them, in in, in far as the ACC uh, is, is concerned. But now they are at the top of the coastal division after UVA got swept by Notre Dame. Sorry, Steve. Uh, and so that, that leaves Duke in, in first place. They won five in a row. And uh, now we should probably take them a little bit more seriously because they are top 20 in the RPI and clearly have some some really good things going for them. Also love them because they have like three awesome D3 guys on their team. So like UConn, <clears throat> they are, are showing out for the D3 uh, fellas. So, so yes, yeah, Steve, that's a good, that's a good, good shout out to, to, to the Dukies. Yeah, one thing I will say, though, is I, I never understand their field situation. So if, if you're someone who's listening who understands when, when Duke decides to play at, you know, the Durham Bulls Park or at, I can't even remember what their home field is called yeah, right it's now. Called, it's escaping uh, it's me. It's called but Jack Coombs Field, I believe. Ja- yes, so if you understand the the justification and the thought process between switching between the two, can you please tell me? Because I don't know as a player if it's cool or if it's like, just kind of meh, or I, I don't know. I, I would love to also get a player's it's, home. It's a great question. Home fields advantage. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we got – see, it kind of takes away like, hey, if someone comes here and beats us and they take this field, don't worry, guys. Well, don't even the way you got to use it <laughs> is you don't tell your opponent what the field's going to be, and they don't know. So you're like, oh, we're playing at Duke. They have to send half the team to one place, half the team to the other. And then, like, you know, then then everyone's late, not ready. I think it's a good tactic that they need to employ more often. I, I think they have it for, like, the weekends where Friday and Saturdays are a complete wash. They just, on Sunday, half the team goes to one field, half the team to the other. Split squad. Play double headers. Split squad. Split squad, four-game series in one day. Think about Who that. Who says no? Some of these teams have big enough rosters to pull that off. You guys want to take so. a quick break? <laughs> uh, yeah, we can take a quick – I mean, I, I don't know how much more we have to talk about, but we can take a quick break. And uh, thank you for for thank you to Duke for tickling uh, Steve's giblets. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back uh, with a little bit more chatter here on the Shock Factor Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you by Let's Fucking Go. Are you a college baseball player? Did you just rip a clutch hit or a timely home run and you're not sure exactly what to say? You should give it a Let's Fucking Go. Let's Fucking Go. Wow. Uh, an incredible pull for us, for our, our sponsorship group, to, to bring in hashtag LFG. Um, into the fold here. Their footprint is massive, too. Yeah, there's really not any, you know, you talk about, oh, LSU swings Marucci. Oh, you know, these guys wear Rawlings. New Balance. Yeah. Uh, oh, they, they use it. There's not a team in college baseball that's not using LFG. That's not true. Uh, at least once a week. That's not oh, true. Oh. BYU <laughs> uses the, yay, super duper. Let's heck and go. Let's heck and yeah, go. Yeah, BYU is let's heck and go. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say that 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 a let's fucking go has been uttered by BYU baseball okay. at some point. At least one of the players. Baseball <laughs> players are not like they they don't go to school for the exact same reasons as everybody else. I'm sure that there's a lot that do. do. I I hope but there's not, a hardcore Mormon on the Cougars of BYU who when he gets a double screams, let's do this. <laughs> hooray, Come hooray. on, Vamanos. Um, but just like that childlike joy of getting fired up like the door of the explorer mm-hmm. like we did it yes hooray yeah. you know one of those i could see that but it's it's like the same with stanford how we talked to the stanford guys and we were like okay how many of you guys like you know how many of y'all are stanford guys and they told us like a fair amount but not all they were like Braden montgomery I, is smart enough for the entire team honestly and he's good enough in baseball my last thought for let's fucking go is that when you go to the doctor for your checkup and they bang the top of your knee so that it swings forward as in a knee-jerk reaction if you hit a double you can't control it it just comes right out Mm, right it is it is i feel like I'm trying to think of when you see it most so big strikeout i feel like slide in to third on a triple is like that's like in terms of highest percentage of let's fucking go reactions that is like a lock that is not all doubles you know doubles you know sometimes you get more of a, a muted celebration you have a separate double celebration that kind of takes care of it but head first slide to safe as a triple i mean you know what you're getting yeah the head first slide is essential there but let let's fucking go has such a great range it's used in all of college athletics you'll hear it from dads at the grocery store when their kids are playing at those little vending machines trying to get a moldy gumball Uh, but it's just it's one of those evergreen things that's always going to be there it's always going to be important it's like yelling come on in tennis i don't know why but that's the same equivalent like you see a tennis player get fired up they yell come on which i i don't understand like that feels kind of pete weberish but I, I love the let's fucking go. It's it's used and abused in college baseball, but rightfully so. Well said. All right, uh, just a couple more topics here on this episode of the Shock Factor, Steve. Um, again, since you uh, since your your wedding, you have managed to tweet out a couple more clips, and this home run uh, launched deep to left field by Jared Sundstrom of UC Santa Barbara. This is just a delightful home run for so many reasons tell me what i am watching here because 7-2 ball game uc san diego okay um this is one of the cooler homers i've ever seen and for those of you who haven't seen the video yet although you should go look at it at big donkey 47 what is so great about this home run i am fully comfortable in saying this as someone who everybody knows i love home runs i dig the long ball this is the coolest home run optics wise of the 2023 season. And it's going to be very hard to top the, the home run off the foul pole at Auburn that, which we'll discuss was up there with it. Like I would say it's, it's like maybe one decimal point behind, which I know I said, throw away the decimal points, but bring them back real quick for this. Um, but I, I don't know how they just have like a trolley that drives right beyond the outfield fence here. And I, I don't get why it's there, but I love the fact that it's there just because it gives us the opportunity for this to happen. 
where a home run can be hit probably like upper 400s, maybe 500 feet at UC San Diego, and you have the opportunity to hit a public transportation vehicle that is not a bus. Buses, they can get hit. But a trolley, that's like something out of Tony Hawk Pro Skater you play on the trolley, you know? And to see a home run get hit off of it, that's... God, it's just so awesome. Left fielder, the left fielder didn't even give a courtesy jog, which he missed out on seeing the coolest shit to happen in a home run this year. Just because, you know, he he didn't want to give the courtesy, which let that be a lesson. All outfielders give the courtesy jog. Watch no, where that no, shit No, it looks lands. like he, I, I feel like he's looking straight up. I feel like he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to hit oh. the train. No, you're right. I didn't see him twist. I yeah, didn't he, see him he, twist. he turned around. But here's the other thing about this. I don't, like, I, first of all, and I'm only correcting you on this because you made the correct reference to Tony Hawk. We should clarify. Not again, a trolley. So seen it. Not, it's, it's probably a tram. A would tram. You call it a tr- what would you call a it? A tram. Yeah. Yeah, because. I don't know. Trolleys have evolved. No. Trolleys have evolved. Trolleys, trolleys are on the ground. Are on the street. Yeah. Yeah, trolleys are on the street. I, yeah, but I who's like. to. Who's to say this doesn't connect to the ground? I I am to say. I am to say that this is not a trolley. But here's the other thing about this. We we have some minor league stadiums that have trains um, in the outfield, but it's it's a timing thing. It is that it's a red tram, trolley, whatever, that's that's you know, as soon as the the camera cuts to the flight of the ball, you see this vehicle moving at a perfect speed and then you see the ball clank off it and kind of bounce around under it atop on the tracks that now again if you look at it like (laughs) you say 500 feet i mean this is this track is so close to where the fence is that this actually probably wasn't hit that far but everything about it is so perfect that to your point, aesthetically, coolest homer of the season going to be super duper difficult. To so technically, See, technically, it, it is a light rail, I believe. Light rail. I believe it is a light yeah. rail. And part of what's funny about it to me is that like California is pretty well known for bad public transportation, I guess, outside of San Francisco, and their inability to, you know, build trains has really hampered a lot of the state. Uh, and yet, here is a baseball. Flying off one. And if you hit this ball, I believe it was going the correct direction, where if you hit the ball, yeah. If you hit the ball and it gets stuck on the tram, it will take it all the way to Petco Park. All the way downtown. Yeah. Yeah. So it it <laughs> seems like it seems like it kind of bounced around under it. I'm not sure it landed like in a window or something, but to your point, Steve, just just delightful. could have been the oh. furthest home run ever. Or yes. is it a foul ball because the train would have wheeled around behind um, good, the stadium? That's a good point because otherwise, right, if you're waiting for it to hit the ground, yes, it would definitely be the farthest home run of all time. Yeah. Um, but also probably a foul ball. That's a good point. Steve, Just you, shout out yeah. to the city of San Diego and their city planning for allowing this to happen. Yes. They really can't. Well, they through. built yes. that thing there because they're like, oh, it's far enough from the baseball stadium. It won't get hit. Well, no, but see, to me, this is clear. No, it, it's it's clearly close enough where it could get hit. I'm sure it gets hit in BP all the time. But to me, I love this because, you know, sometimes you see like actual roads and busy roads like that's dangerous. This is not like a tram is not going to be impacted by a baseball <laughs> no, <laughs> under really any all. circumstance. What's so the like, driver going to do? Swerve? <laughs> 
it's not it's not in danger right whereas like actual roads beyond where you know you could see cars you know home run balls flying into traffic you know that could actually be dangerous this is just great this is just aesthetically the only way it could be dangerous is if they swapped out baseballs for banana peels for a day i could see that being really just horrendous on the tracks for a trolley or or a light rail (laughs) sorry steve sorry getting technical um but either way yes but you you just alluded to it a little, little bit of spoiler action. Uh, the last thing we did want to mention is the other home runs we saw in the Auburn Mississippi State series. Cooper McMurray, um, just a delightfully large gent, first baseman for Auburn. Not quite you know not quite Sunny D level, but he's a big guy and he's having a strong year. And he had a big weekend, including what amounts to like trick shots, but home runs in SEC play. Uh, Steve, tell me what happened. Uh, what happened is dude perfect is should be blowing up Cooper McMurray's phone. So, and I believe it was the first inning. No, the fourth inning, he pulls a home run. He's a left-handed hitter, hits it right off the right field foul pole, just a laser beam of a line drive right off of it. And everyone's like, Oh, that's sick. He hit the foul pole for a home run. Everybody loves foul pole home runs. It's, it's a fact of life. You, you fast forward two innings and you're still like, wow, that was really cool that he hit the right field foul pole for a home run. I mean, nothing, surely nothing can top that. I mean, it's pole side. That's as hard as he can hit it. Um, he goes backside off the left field foul pole at Plainsman Park, which I'm not good at math. It appears to be 30 to 45 feet in the air that this foul pole begins because they have that high left field wall. And there's probably only 10 total feet of left field foul pole, I would say. 10, maybe 15 if if we're being generous. And, you know, it's warm out and it's having a good day. Um, but, it like, to hit both foul poles is ludicrous in itself. But to hit the left field foul pole at Auburn should be like, should be like double points in in the Stephen Shock dumb things that are super cool categories that you know it's like whose line is it anyway where the points don't really matter. Um, but this was just such a sick like backside home runs are awesome. Backside bombs, totally different. Not the wall scrapers, the ones that are driven, the no doubters. And with a thirty to forty five ish, I can't remember the range I said for the fence. To hit a no-doubter over a fence that high backside is incredible. To hit it off the foul pole, even more incredibler. And then to hit it off the only foul pole you hadn't hit it off of that game is even the incredibleest, you know? Incredibleest. Indeed, Cooper McMurray, who had homered in his previous three games before doing this, uh, is like, hey, watch this. Now he's just having fun. You know, Now he's just I- showing off. I wonder if there was a foul pole attached to a trolley, if he could get that too. It's like um, MVP baseball of five. Oh my God. The best, the best God, that game, that game grew everybody's love of the game. Amen, brother. Uh, that is Amen, brother. a good place, <laughs> good place <laughs> to end. Steven shock pleasure as always. Uh, anything you, you looking for? So now you're you're really really married here. I mean, you're you're full blown husband. 
Um, yeah, now I'm locked in, which means college baseball viewership going up, gym good. gym attendance going down. Good. Um, door dashing going up. I'm letting myself go. Atta boy. And it. Steve is beginning his reign as a married man by wearing a Florida Gators hat and a Virginia Cavaliers sweatshirt. He is starting off marriage 0-6. But, <laughs> but hey... Sorry, go ahead, Steve. You can defend yourself. It, it's just the Kevin O'Sullivan outfit. You know, he's a Virginia guy, played at Virginia, and went to Florida. You know, it's just full circle. Yeah. Full Sully. Uh, but um, I think as we began, just remember, Thomas McNabb, you did it, sir. Wow. <laughs> uh, so congrats to you, Steve, not just on uh, recording this podcast with us, but on the wedding. It is a pleasure to have you back. Well, uh, maybe we'll do some midweek stuff later this week. Till, if not, we'll be back t- next Sunday or Monday. Till death uh, do you, Steve, and college baseball do you part? <laughs> I, I do. I do. Um, but to, just to wrap up, to Jake's point, the 0 for 6 so far, that's a good thing. We don't want to win Omaha. That That's the worst <laughs> that's thing that true. could happen to me, remember? That's true. So, We're trying to get uh, mathematically eliminated as soon as possible so we can relax. Yeah, so we can spend the summers off with our friends and get get home as soon as possible. Uh, well, on that inspiring note, <laughs> we will talk to you all very soon on the next episode of the Shot Factory. Bye. Bye. Bye.